This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Welcome to NASCAR America, the Motorsports Hour. It's your 60-minute fix for all things racing. NASCAR is in Atlanta this weekend for the second race of the season. A lot more going on, though, because in just over two weeks, IndyCar kicks off in St. Petersburg, Florida. But today, defending Indy 500 winner Will Power is here with us live in the studio. What else? Well, several IMSA teams are testing in Sebring, Florida as we speak. The whole paddock will be there March 16th for the 12 hours of Sebring. And a new leader will ride into round eight of Monster Energy Supercross. And if you missed last Saturday night's finish in Texas, well, let's just say AJ's jaw is still on the floor. Ah, we're teasing it. Hello and welcome to the NASCAR America Motorsports Hour. The AJ I'm referring to, of course, AJ Allmendinger. He and Parker Kligerman will be the usual suspects for the Motorsports Hour on Thursday. And today is a special anniversary in NASCAR. Did you guys know it was on this day, 71 years ago, that NASCAR officially became incorporated? We're glad that happened because it gave us all a paycheck. Do we have to sing happy birthday? No. Okay, good. Well, if you did, listen, let's say we should have said yes and then left Parker out and like you yeah, I mean, No, I don't, I don't have any vocal skills. So. No. No, 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 no. That's you good we don't. It comes back to karaoke. It always comes back that's to karaoke. That's true. Yeah, it's, that's probably not going to happen. Not going to happen? No. Not yet. It's early not, this season. Yeah, it's not still early. Yet. Motorsports yeah. hour, karaoke hour. Who knows what's coming up? That's true. Hey, you're, you know what else is coming up for you? You're driving uh, out right after the show, heading down to Atlanta to race double duty. I am. That's right. 700 miles of racing, so I'm excited about that. We'll see when those races actually run, but uh, hopefully not on the same Talking day. Mother Nature. <laughs> Mother Nature, maybe. But you know what's cool is I'm going to a place that is super wore out. It's slick. That's what Atlanta Motor Speedway is known for, and that's why, as a driver, I love going to this place. Um and I think for the first time ever, driving a truck will have correlation mm. to the cup car. And I think I can say that with, you know, full validity that that's the first time ever that really makes, makes sense. So I think that's going to be really helpful to be in the truck and the cup car at the same time. I mean, you're a TV guy. Have you been working out enough? 700 miles? <laughs> Are you, can you handle this? I've been known to be in the gym the last couple okay, weeks. Okay, right, last couple days, right, even especially more. Hours. Yeah, last couple hours. Before I came here, I was just running as far as I could. <laughs> Nate Ryan's in his workout gear. He is. That's right. He's going to be so mad I said that. But he's out. I said, you're not looking professional. He said, I'm in my workout gear. So at least he's working out even if you're not. Well, it, it, you said it best. That is the thing, though. Like, if we have to do 700 miles on the same day, I mean, I was like, you know, I've seen uh, uh, Kyle Busch do it. So I'm like, if he can do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, that's how I feel. So we'll Going see. back to that validity you talked about, why yep. a truck will correlate, because the new rules package, it's the big story for this weekend's race. We should also note before we get into that conversation, though, a few driver milestones happening or potentially happening this Sunday. New Daytona 500 champion Denny Hamlin can become only the sixth driver to start a cup season with back-to-back -back wins, so keep an eye on that. Kyle Busch will reach the 500 club with his 500th career cup start and a victory from Jimmy Johnson ties him with Hall of Famer Daryl Waltrip and Bobby Allison for fourth on the all-time wins list. 
All right, so let's go back to what type of racing we're going to see. And AJ, I know we're speculating a bit because we haven't seen it, but are there a handful of drivers or which drivers possibly would be in trouble? You just can't assume anything yet. With this new aero package, we got to see how it plays out for a few weekends, go to a couple of different types of racetracks. But what really stands out to me is if the top goes away, or at least the top that we're used to, where you got to be straight against the fence, run the high line, especially as the tires go away at a place like Atlanta, and trying to just hang it out on the edge to find that little pocket of air to find that downforce in the side of the car. Does a guy like Kyle Larson, does that hurt him? Because that's Kyle Larson's biggest strength. And to me, by far, there was no questions about it, the best guy in the Cup Series, or just in NASCAR in general, running the top and finding that speed where nobody else could find it. So if he loses that, does he lose his advantage? But we don't know yet. So we got to see how this package plays out see how the weekend goes, and then really see as the tires start to wear off where the cars kind of slide to. That's a really good point, and actually funny you bring it up because, you know, I, I said that the trucks might correlate to the cup cars, and actually what I've found in trucks is that top line three and four has not worked the last couple of years. You have to be on the bottom, so that could hurt him. If I'm looking at a driver that I'm thinking, or, or I'm, at least I'm wondering how this package is going to suit them or how well they'll really rise the occasion, it is Mr. Seven-Time Champion Jimmy Johnson. And I know that's odd to say. I mean, he's... A seven-time so, champion. He's won yeah. so many races. He's going so for his why? 84th win. When you look at his career, you know, when you look at uh, Xfinity results and you look even at the truck series, he just never really ran that well. And it was in lower horsepower, higher downforce things where momentum meant more. You know, when he, he's been so successful in cup over the years with high horsepower, low downforce, having to use the pedals like his off-road background really suited him doing that. But in the, the higher downforce cars with low horsepower, it just doesn't allow you to do those things. So... I'm really interested to see how Jimmy really, you know, rises the occasion with this package if he finds that it does suit his style now or that if he struggles a little bit. So, as AJ said, we can't, you know, we're sort of speculating a little bit yeah. here. But if I'm looking at a driver, you know, that I'm, I'm really keen to see how this goes for him, it's Jimmy Johnson, which is odd to say because he is a seven-time champion. You guys, as drivers, too, and I heard you guys talking out in the hallway, you guys like racing in Atlanta. And I know the rules package is different. But it's that worn-out pavement. That's what you guys, I, just hearing the conversation, what you kept talking about. And you were talking specifically about the tire fall-off, though, really. Well, yes, because the, the tire fall-off is immense. Say, listen, by the way. Well, yeah, well done. Well done. Tire fall-off. So <laughs> this is the emotion that you'll see out of all the drivers. Well, first, we'll show you this. So basically, you have the fall-off here from Kevin Harvick last year, which is 3.4 seconds, um, which doesn't seem like enough, AJ. Well, Parker, that's a that's a really fast race car that's fallen off three <laughs> Did yours fall off more there, there were some other cars that might have fallen off a little bit more. <laughs> and the, the thing is, when we say 3.4 seconds of fall off, that means everything's happening 3.4 seconds slower, which is an eternity in a race car. So that's how much grip we are losing over the course of a run. And what that means is that as drivers, we have to try and find ways to minimize that fall off. Maybe moving your line around, as you were talking about. It's driving the car a little differently. It's having different setups in there. And as drivers, when that happens, we feel like we can make a difference. So that's where we kind of rise to the occasion and be like, yes, we here's this fall off. We can really do something here. And I can I can find an advantage over my competitors. I can find a, an advantage over AJ, you know, in turns one and two and make up maybe a tenth of a second because there's all that room in the fall off. So that's exciting. One of the things you will see, though, from all the drivers is when they're describing Atlanta is talking like, like this, you know, like <laughs> this is what I'm doing in the car. I'm, I'm doing a lot of this. Because you're just constantly fighting the car. And it, it's one of those places that, as you said, it, it's just, it, it's enjoyable. Because you are moving around. There are stuff you can do. But what really interests me is not maybe the most interesting thing, but 
how we go about practice now, because as we go out there and practice, usually, especially in the Cup Series, you're by yourself for the most part at a lot of these places. Yeah, maybe you get behind a car too to see how the car handles, but throughout the course of, of Friday practice, happy hour practice, you're always by yourself just trying to work on the setup of your car and figuring out, okay, behind a car, I think it does this, and when we drop the green, this is what we're going to have to fight. Well, now with this aero package, does everybody go out in a pack of cars? Do you still go by yourself? What are you really going to focus on? And that's the thing that through Friday and Saturday, and especially here in Atlanta, you know, weather's not looking great. So do we lose some practice time possibly? So that's the thing what I'm really going to focus on is leading into Sunday, how do different teams and how do different manufacturers come up with a plan to try to best suit their race team going into Sunday and trying to figure out, you know what, in a big pack of cars, this is how the tires are going to fall off. This is the speed we're going to have. These are the things that we're going to fight. Don't forget group qualifying, which means it's going to be draft qualifying. It's going to be insane. So the traffic at Atlanta Motor Speedway during practice and qualifying is going to look like the traffic in basically downtown Atlanta at any time of the day. Hopefully. It's going to be heavy. We can, <laughs> That's why as, fans, we'll as fans, we can only hope. Parker may not want that. I don't want to be in that right then there. I no. won't see that. All right. We'll see what <laughs> happens. that for Sunday. <laughs> well, a new IndyCar season is almost here, and Will Power will start it as reigning Indy 500 champion. How has winning Indy changed his career and his life? We'll ask him when he joins us live on the set in the Motorsports Hour next. Saturday, the 2019 NHL Stadium Series features the Battle of Pennsylvania. The Pittsburgh Penguins take on the Philadelphia Flyers under the lights at Lincoln Financial Field. The 2019 NHL Stadium Series, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern on NBC. resume before he won last year's Indy 500, but as he knows, a victory at the Brickyard takes you to a whole nother level. On March 10th, the 37-year-old from Australia starts his drive for a second IndyCar Series title here on NBCSN. And this May on NBC, in only 94 days, he'll be thirsty for milk at Indy once again. Will Power joining us here in our studio live today. When you look back on that, those images, I mean, you can't help but smile. Is it watching your wife's reaction, your reaction in the winner's circle? Take us back. I mean, everything about it, you know, like it was my 11th year. So uh, I remember thinking that month, man, I, I may finish my career without winning a 500. So that was really playing on me. So everything that went with winning that race, it was just so much, there's like even anger in there. You see, I actually get a bit angry. <laughs> like I lost. <laughs> But it was just cool for me, my wife, uh, you know, we talked about it a lot. I had my son there. Um, yeah, just an amazing experience and uh, really took a massive load off my shoulders. Like 
I, I feel just lighter and can just focus on winning races and go to the 500 relax. Like usually you spend the whole month tense there if you haven't won it before. I, I'm sure I will be because it's a, it's an intense month, but um, just cool. Everything that's gone with it, absolutely enjoyed, have enjoyed it. And um, it's, it, yeah, can't wait, can't wait to get back there. Yeah, I'd like, to, I'd like to see Will one time at a racetrack not tense. <laughs> I, was, I was calm that month. Like, yeah. it was strange for me. I was actually really relaxed. I was relaxed on race yeah. day, which I remember when we raced together yeah. there, we were lying in the garage just like, oh, man, I wish we could just have a button that puts you right in the yeah. car and the race starts because <laughs> it's just the nerves really suck. I mean, you know, you, you spend so much time there building up for this race, you're there pretty much the whole month if you include the, the road course race and um, there's so much media attention. And I was going to say, we don't help, yeah. by the no. way. Yeah. No. But it, it's, it's big. It's yeah, big. Yeah. Is there a part of this that's, you know, that it's an oval? You know, ovals were kind of new to you when you came up to the IndyCar Series. Yeah. It's maybe a struggle for a little bit. And here's the biggest yeah. race of the IndyCar Series is an oval. Is that some of the accomplishment of winning it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it took, took me a while to get used to ovals. Obviously, I, I didn't enjoy the formula of ovals when, when I first came to IndyCar because we were just running wide open on a white, you know, you, you would sit on the white line, you'd be on the bottom of the track and never lifting. Um, but IndyCar has reduced the downforce, there's a lot more driving in it, and, and I have just gained experience. But, yes, uh, winning on the biggest oval, super speedway, and, and I've become a really good super speedway driver, um, yeah, played into everything that went in you know, the emotion into winning that race. Yeah, I mean, we joke around about, you know, us both being tense. I mean, we've always been hard on ourselves as, as drivers. You know, we kind of fed off that as teammates. Yeah. But now winning, and you've won a championship, but, you know, in the IndyCar Series, winning the Indy 500, it, it just takes it to a whole new level. So do you view yourself different now as a race car driver, finally getting that off your back and, and having what's the biggest accomplishment in the sport kind of on your shelf now? Um, yeah, I, I, not really. I mean, I'm approaching the season the same. Um, it's just, like I said, it, it's a, a big stress off me, especially driving for Penske. You know, that, that race, obviously, Rogers won way more than anyone else, and they put a lot of emphasis on that race. So just within the team, you're a little bit more relaxed. But I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm, I'm kind of hard on myself. Um, so the same intensity going into the season. I mean, I, yeah, I wouldn't say I view myself any different. I still want to win. Like you still have that desire. I mean, it's not the cars that I love driving. It's the competition. I just love competing, and I love competing on a level playing field where everyone's got the same car, same tire, very similar. You know, the engines are pretty much the same, and um, so you, and you're competing against the best guys, and that that's the enjoyment of racing for me. It's not, you know, when you're young, you love the cars. Like, it's yep. so awesome to be driving a car with all this horsepower. But for me now, it's just competing. I love to compete. And speaking of competing, I noticed on our stats there, and I <clears throat> know this about you for a while, uh, you have 54 career polls, second of all time. What is it about qualifying with you? I mean, you are a qualifying master. I want, I want to know just personally as a driver, like, what do you do? What is the, like, what do you do to get ready for qualifying? And why are you so good at finding that one really fast lap? Um, you know, it's just a whole process over the weekend. You think about in practice and everything and all the data analysis that we do in IndyCar now and you have dart fish and, like, I think it's just 
putting all those pieces together and then when it comes to doing the lap is actually executing. It's, it's you know, especially on a road course, even little mischiefs or anything like that cost you like a half a tenth or if it's at the start of the straight, you, you may lose more. I mean, it's just very little details and then just nailing it the right time. Do you right know time. sometimes when you're on one of those pull laps? Do you like, you like you're in, you know, we talk about athletes are in the zone or yeah. whatever. I mean, do you, you have like a sense like this is it, this is the lap? Yeah, sometimes you uh, just nail a lap and it's like this, like Feels. you would be amazed if someone beat that. And when they do, you're really upset, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> especially if it's your teammate yeah. Yeah. the same car. You're like, ah. Oh. But, yeah, I mean, um, it is about getting in the zone. It, it's, it's all those things, you know, obviously very mental. And, and in, in the IndyCar, it's very physical. Like you reach max heart rate. On a yeah. qualifying run, well, you, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. you jump in those things. I mean, no it's so heavy in the wheel and the G-force and you need to put a lot of energy into it. It's not like fingertip driving. You really grab the car and, and manhandle it. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of the best at it, believe me. I saw it up up close and personal. I was like, what the heck? I mean, you feel like I'd be close and all of a sudden qualifying, he'd go in and just take that next leap and it was, it was always impressive. But with that said, obviously winning the Indy 500 was a huge accomplishment great for a year, but you had an up and down year. It seemed like, yeah. especially in the middle stretch of your season, you're either winning races or you're DNFing. So over the off season, what have you and your team really focused on to obviously keep that speed, but really work on the consistency to go try to win another championship? Yeah. I mean, just reviewing the championship, it was very disappointing not to be uh, a contender at the end of the year. I mean, you know, our qualifying average was like 2.2. Like, so we're always starting at the front. Um, you know, we had, I think we had three mechanicals. I made a mistake or two. Um, and, yeah, well, I mean, we should have been there. It's kind of hard to pick one thing out of all that. Like, the mechanicals were all something different. Um, you know, just a mistake or two by me that I've obviously reviewed myself and look at the situation and think, well, yeah, I probably should have done this differently. But there's not... I mean, we just need a consistent year to put together. Like, there's just we should have been there at the end, um, um, and we weren't. When you look at Dixon's run, you know, Scott Dixon was just, man, flat. Like, he was in the top five every race. Even his worst days where he's kind of almost a lap down on the first lap, crashing at Portland, we're like, well, at last he's going to have a bad day, and he comes back and beats all the competition. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. So you know how it flows. Oh yeah, ebbs and flows in racing. You get some good luck and bad luck, and hopefully this year plays out smoothly. Do you have drivers? I, this I know when drivers are all with each other. I mean, who really impress you? Drivers who sort of set the bar for you. Um, you know, whether it's now or, or earlier in your career. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all. Whenever you come into a new series, you you know when I when I joined Champ Car, you had AJ there, you had Justin Wilson, you had Bourdais. Um, you know, and you're always looking at who's setting the bar. So whoever that is, you're watching what they're doing. You're trying to understand what's making them fast. You know, you know what are they doing off the track that's helping them. Anything that you can find out about these guys, um, you're you're trying to understand. And you know, throughout my whole career, it's been in every series. You've just looked at the guy at the time and what he's doing. And that's how you build your toolbox of stuff that makes you go fast, you know, physically, mentally, everything. Was it always a dream of yours to race an Indy car? I know you and I were talking earlier yeah. about you tested an F1 car, you're racing Europe. Yeah. I mean, what was the transition like coming over here? And 
was it once you I mean was it always a dream to get to this level I mean what was it for you it was it was always a dream to be a race car driver in an open wheel car but it was Formula One like all my heroes as a child were you know it was you know Prost Mansell Senna it was that era of drivers that I just absolutely loved I loved the cars I was aware of Indianapolis like the Indy 500 and Indy cars um you know and I'd heard interviews from uh, Formula One drivers who try that out and said, this is too crazy for me, it's way too fast, <laughs> you know, you're insane. And that's my impression the first time I drove around there. I was like, this is insane, what, what are we doing? It's still insane. It is, it is still, insane. Everything still slowed insane. up a yeah. little bit. But, yeah, I, I, uh, Formula One was a goal. Like I spent time in Europe, I, I really tried to get there, but it's just... And you got to be the right place at the right time, or you got to be picked up by Red Bull or one of those manufacturers, and, and get the the right opportunities in the junior categories uh, to make it. So I had an offer to come over and race here and be paid in IndyCar. At that point, you know what it's <laughs> That's like. Big. That's big. You're, get, you're, you're paying when you're in Europe. They're you're offering paying, to pay. Having to find sponsors, you're paying, uh, and it's tough. So at some point, you got to be profession, a, a professional and earn some money. Yep. So I came over here, and, and that's where it started. And just, you know, I've heard you talk a lot about, you were mentioning you like competition, the competitiveness of this. You know, how competitive is IndyCar? It looks, I mean, you have a 2.2 yeah. qualifying average last year, and you're not even in the fight for the championship last race. I mean, it's yeah. incredibly competitive. Is that the feeling from the, that's what I get from the outside. Is that the feeling on the inside? I mean, it is, yeah, it is. And it, it's just, it's ramped up, you know, from 2010 to now. It's just, it, it is so competitive because there's no bad teams really anymore and there's no bad drivers. You know, there was a while there where, you, you know, you had some of the guys at the very back that were just paying to be there and, and they, you know, were below average. They're kind of almost dangerous. But now there's not a guy that you, you would pick out of there that you would say, ah, oh, he'll never win a race. So uh, the competition's very tough and the team's standard is very high. Uh, and, it, yeah, it's super competitive. It's tough. Um, because you've got to be good on multiple disciplines. You know, you, you know, no ovals the same that we race on. You've got the short ovals, uh, super speedways, you know, super bumpy street courses, road courses, um, and you've got to be able to nail them all. So uh, it's tough to be a champion, and that's why there's, yeah. well, Dixon, of course, he's yeah. won five. But... <laughs> we talked a lot about Will's career on the track. Will's going to stick around, and we're just getting started because when we come back, what is something about him that might surprise you? We're going to go off track with Will next on the Motorsports Hour. You guys know this. Joseph is pumped, meaning the IndyCar team better get it right, especially since we're talking the Indy 500. Oh, come on. Look at that face on Joseph and on power. You guys have got to get this. Serious. How are the IndyCar guys not getting the Indy 500? Yes, indeed. We are so glad power got this. But it would have been way better if he made this face again. For the record, this was shot months before power won the 500, which is pretty cool. Back with the 2014 <laughs> IndyCar champion, Will Power. And the Penske games, which you saw a taste of right there, those have kind of become a viral hit, you and your teammates with 
uh, within the Penske organization. Yes, yes, they have, and they've become very competitive. You try, you, <laughs> honestly, you try to get inside information from the PR staff, like what, what is the, what, are, what are the tasks going to be? What's the competition going to be? They never give anything up. Yeah. But yes, Brad Keselowski is. Definitely a big cheat. Oh, <laughs> no way. He, like, it'll be lunchtime. He'll be over there for the next Penske games and he'll be practising and they have to continue to yell at him, Brad, stop, stop practising. No one's meant to know what's going on. Yeah, but Brad, he's he's always in there. You learn a so. little bit about Yes. That yes, way. you do actually. You yeah. do in that tough competition. Kind of how he races too. Yeah. Really? So he's oh, is he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's why he won a championship. <laughs> I just realized I'm the only one here who hasn't been employed by Roger Penske. You guys have all driven for the that's captain. True. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Uh, yeah. There's no chance. He might be I, hiring. I, I, he's like, driving for Roger. Just saying. No, yeah. Not, Never know. I'm not. I'm a um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a good driver. I'm not a bad driver. I don't want to say that. I'm just not. Yeah. I'm not you guys. So. Well, um, so I kind of tease the fact that we talked a lot about racing. I, do you guys have some questions for for Will off track? Well, I mean, I've seen it before, <laughs> and it's uh, it's interesting because you almost seem like you get into it more than you do driving sometimes. But you love being a drummer. I do. Like, I mean, you, we've seen it. I've seen it at least at Indianapolis. You did it at a party, right? You were drumming for that oh, a band yeah. somewhere. That, yeah. You're here here at the Pacers game, right? Oh yeah. I mean, you get into it. So, I, I so do. what? When did that start? What got you into it? I mean, it was, your... a, it was actually when I was unemployed. Okay. Well, it was when I, I uh, in 2009, I was only a part-time driver, and um, I got, uh, I, I yeah, got, right here I downtown Indy. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. I remember that. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I was <laughs> way, way off beat. But with all the other drummers, they kind of covered for me, so it was all right. I looked good. <laughs> but yeah. I, I started in 2009, uh, the data engineer from the year before, a team I drove for was a, a drum teacher and I'd just hang out of his, annoying him hanging out at his house because I didn't have anything to do. And that's when I started drumming. Um, yeah. So you're not in a band? There's no like in car not, drivers band? I, you remember the, band, the champ car band back in the day? Like Vassar mm. and everyone? They're not bringing that back. No. You don't remember that? No. Oh, well, you're, no. So you're not in an indie I would band, like right? to be in a band. I just don't have time. No one's hired you yet. What, what yeah, band for some what, reason? <laughs> what band you want to go to? What's what's the ultimate Ooh. rock and roll band? Yeah, it's gonna be like Foo Fighters. Man. Okay. Yeah. All right. Hang out with Dave Grohl. Yeah. Well, if you're hanging out, wouldn't you That's take his job? There. Wouldn't you be stealing his job? If yeah. You... No, he's the lead singer. Okay. Yeah, he does right. do drums okay. sometimes, but he was a drummer for Nirvana. Oh, I got you. So... All right, there you go. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. You know, one thing I've noticed about you in your off-track time is your use of Instagram. You, on your, especially in your stories, you like to put all of your like team members in very awkward situations. Yeah, is this like your, your, your style, or it is definitely my style. Okay. I'm like AJ knows that can be quite awkward, but <laughs> deliberately. So you're trying deliberately. to make your teammates feel awkward. Yes, is the, is the and, and the crew yeah. members, and he's and okay. anyone. Was your, was your he, like I could make everyone real awkward right now, pull this phone out, and do a story. And he, everyone just he would, yeah. he will literally stare at you for no, like just stare at you like. <laughs> Like we'd we'd be sitting in uh like in our tents and you'd just be like just staring at me. I'm like, what's his problem? Like it's just any, that's the intimidation. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Always, like, this is why he kept on qualifying <laughs> you. That's true. That's intimidation. Yeah. That's what oh, yeah. that's where it comes it's, from. Yeah. Who who yeah. of your teammates feels the most awkward? Like who can you really mess with the most? Do you feel like? 
man, they all know me so well, it's really hard now. They just understand what I'm doing. (laughs) It's usually when someone turns up new, Mm -hmm. they're like, what's up with Will? (laughs) It's a bit strange. (laughs) But, yeah, just just playing around, having fun. So Uh, with teammates, is it an intimidation tactic as well? You know, you always got to be a little bit sort of Uh, Yeah, no, it's just having fun. I just like to just joke around, have fun. That's why I didn't do well in school, I think. Uh, and that's the thing. New Garden turns up, and I've got a guy that plays off me real well. So the engineering office, not as much work's getting done. <laughs> We're just screwing around all the time. When it comes to the NASCAR, a lot of people may not know this. NASCAR fans, you live here in Charlotte. Yeah. Um, obviously, be, I mean, you're close to the Penske shop. But do you hang out with like the NASCAR guys at all? Like, is going to dinner with Brad or Joey? I mean, a, a normal. Uh, no, actually, I haven't <laughs> spent much. I, I played golf with AJ when he was on the team. <laughs> That was an experience, let me tell you. (laughs) He's a good teacher, though. Like, I actually had some better shots than him, and he was quite angry about it. Like, he... Believe me, like he killed me. Yeah. No, it wasn't like qualifying. Like, yeah, you, you, you destroyed me. But um, yeah, he's very passionate about his golf. He's like, uh, he can get Slightly, quite emotional yeah. if it doesn't go in. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Competitive nature of both. I, of you, I, right? I don't know how to. I don't know what to really say about that. Pa- we'll go with passionate. It's that not quite the yeah. calming yeah. thing it's supposed to be for you. So you're not. Yeah. You're not out. You're not out playing golf with Brad or Joey. Look, it, it just takes too much time to play golf. Yeah. And yeah, the teammates. I mean, I hang out. I just never see those guys. Like uh, I don't see them at the shop. Um, you know, we're all so busy during the season. It's very difficult. The only time we catch up is at the Penske games. And then we're all like you fighting yeah. each other. Yeah. You, haven't to, you haven't tried to sneak one of those stock cars out the back and take it for a Let spinner. me tell you, man, I want to have a go of one of those. Not on a road course, on an oval. I really, oh, really yeah. would love to feel what it what it is like in a NASCAR. I mean, that would be really cool. I'd love to do a race. I would love to. So okay. if Roger's watching I'm this. Gonna throw, I'm, I'm going to throw it out there, Mr. Penske. <laughs> Will at Bristol. What do we think? We know who oh, qualify well. Yeah. Roger watches this show every, yeah. every day. Yeah. So Roger. You heard it here. Go. Help Help me me out. Out. All right, let's show see what watches. can come of that. All right. Coming up, we're going to shift over to Supercross, where the Web Wagon is rolling. And if you did not see Cooper Webb's win last weekend in Texas, we have one more shot. We're going to show you the moment that, well, up until a shoe blew apart on the court. You guys know about that, right? Oh, yeah. That was. Well, this was the wildest sports moment of the week. And what does it all mean for this Saturday night's race in the Motor City? Hey, Motor City, in the Motorsports Hour, we motor on. That's three. That's wow. Three. That's next. And Ralph Shaheen has not had a voice since then. It has already been a wild Supercross season, but that moment on the face of the finish line jump last week in Texas goes in the books, at least for now, as the closest finish in Supercross history. You just heard Ralph Shaheen's call. He and Ricky Carmichael recap how it all went down. What an incredible finish here in Arlington, Texas, as Cooper Webb wins his fourth race of the year, this time by just two hundredths of a second. 
and he did it over Ken Roxon. What a crazy race. That was a fantastic night of racing. And I'm going to tell you, I thought Cooper Webb spent way too much time behind Blake Baggett and wasn't going to be able to catch the leading pack. But boy, was I wrong. Well, here's how that last lap unfolded. You can see right here, he's all over Ken. Perfect position. He blitzes the whoops, gets on top of him. And he's going to cut up the inside, use up all the track. And I thought it was over. He slipped. Uh, take it coming out of the corner and it was over just like that and he could have raced him even harder right there he could have gotten into him but he stayed pretty clean it was an amazing finish will cooper webb wins it by two hundredths of a second thanks ralph Cooper, what an incredible night for you. That was a battle like we haven't seen yet all season between you and Ken Roxon. Talk me through what was going through your mind because when we spoke about it earlier, you said you just couldn't give up. That's all that was going through my mind. I had a bad start and I knew it was going to be a, a tough main event to get passes and bounce back, but I just uh, charged. You know, I, I, I really wanted to get up front and uh, was able to get around some guys, got around Joey, got around uh, Blake. He was riding really good and then was able to get Marv later on and there was only one guy left and I really went and I didn't think I was close enough, but I, I got some good laps, some good lines and just never gave up, man. That's, uh, I know it's cliche, and but that, that's proof. You never give up. You never know what can happen and, you know, the photo finish like that, I don't think that's ever happened and, uh, Man, what a night, you know, the, the irony of, of that battle is insane. So uh, it's awesome, and, and I just, hey, I'm sure Ricky knows what it's like. You just, you got to risk it for the biscuit. <laughs> Congratulations. Go and enjoy it with your team, Cooper. Well, it does go down as the closest finish in history. You talked about this being a statement race. What does Cooper know now? Well, he knows that he can beat Ken Roxon, no matter what. He came from way back, seventh place on the first lap, and it brought me back to 2001 when I was racing the king of supercross, Jeremy McGrath. I didn't win that night, but I was able to follow him. I was able to slow up, pull back in, slow up, pull back in. And I knew, you know, I said to myself about halfway through, I said, I don't even care if I win this race because mentally I know that there's no way this guy is going to beat me the rest of the series. And he didn't. I went on to win 14 races in a row. And I feel that this night was that for Cooper Webb. And on the flip side, it's a negative for Ken Roxon because oh, yeah. he's wondering, what have I got to do? Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's, he's, he's going to have a challenge ahead of him. I mean, as much as he wants to use it for fire, that was a huge boost of confidence for Cooper Webb to know that, dude, I don't have to get a good start. I can come from behind and beat you. Well, here's the points, and they're still close <laughs> because Ken Roxon has still not finished outside of the top five. He was on the podium again, and he's only two behind Cooper. And look, he is certainly capable of getting a win. And maybe it comes next week in Detroit. That's where we're headed next. For right now, we head back to the studio. Okay, we saw it was wild. AJ, I'm guessing you were watching that Texas event live. What was your reaction when Webb caught Roxon? I mean, I, I basically just came out of my seat like the fans there in Arlington. It was a race that was insane. And Ricky Carmichael talked about it, how... He was down, it, Cooper Webb was down six and a half seconds. I marked it down with 10 minutes to go in the race. He was down six and a half seconds to Ken Roxon. And at the time, he was about fourth place. So we had to get through a couple of riders and run him down. And then he sat behind him for about three or four minutes. It looked like, man, you know what? Maybe it's not going to happen. And then he makes that last corner move. And that's, it, it put it perfect. The fact that he knows that he can get Ken Roxon whenever he wants now. 
that moment right there, even though it was his fourth win, it's to me his biggest win, and it's something that he will play off of the rest of the year. And Ken Roxon, I think that's the third pass this year on the last lap where he's either lost the lead or lost second place. At some point, he just starts wearing on you. Am I ever going to get this done again? And the cool thing about that pass to me as a car racer is that that is like their version of doring someone, right? Like that's that pass right there was so cool because he comes up and they basically almost both fell over, but you know, like they, that knocked them both adrift and then it was nailing the throttle and seeing who could get the most power down. So that was really cool. But you know, you bring up a point about Ken Roxon and how that kind of hurts him mentally is that, you know, one of the things I don't think people always notice or realize about Supercross is it's incredibly physical and it's incredibly physical because you also have to mentally overcome the physicality of it. And the, the reason you have those late race passes and such is because those guys are physically tired. Although they work out so much, you're on that bike for 20 minutes, you get the arm pump, how incredibly physical it is, and now you've just been defeated mentally as well. So that's, I think, it's, it's going to be really tough, as, they both, as you and Ricky both said, to overcome this. And what about what Ricky said? I mean, leave it to whether you're a rider or a driver, you guys just don't forget things. He brought up a race from 18 years ago wow. and said, this is what it takes me back to. So you can show how competitive <laughs> I mean, you just You build off moments like that yeah. in good or bad ways. Yeah. All right, so next up for Supercross is Detroit. And Saturday night, be sure to stick around after Supercross for an all-new Monster Jam. From heads-up racing to jaw-dropping freestyle tricks, these guys put on a show you won't want to miss. Catch it Saturday night at 11 Eastern here on NBCSN. More with Will Power. Yeah, he's still here. That's coming up next. Tomorrow, Toothless, the Night Fury Dragon, and his best pal Hiccup come flying back into theaters in DreamWorks Animation's How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, the third and final chapter of this family-friendly adventure. It's in theaters tomorrow. All right, dragons are tough, but they have got nothing on this guy. It has been six months since IndyCar driver Robert Wickens was severely injured in a crash at Pocono. Since then, he has shared the ups and downs of his rehab. Well, on Tuesday, he had a special surprise for his fiance Carly. <laughs> Dancing. As he noted on social media, one of his major goals through his recovery is to be able to dance with Carly at their wedding in September. So How about that for a story? IndyCar's Will Power, our guest here Incredible. in our Charlotte, North Carolina studios today. Will, as drivers, you guys are a family. What has your reaction been to seeing Robert's progress? Oh, man, it's great. You know, I, uh, I thought it would be such a travesty if he would not be able to have a normal life after that accident. <clears throat> you know, when you look at what he did during that season, um, as a rookie, it was amazing how fast he was in qualifying and ovals, like the whole, everything. He was a full package uh, and a great team leader. So, um, yeah, just absolutely praying that he gets back in a position where he can actually get in a car. I mean, uh, IndyCar is obviously, you know, they are just like NASCAR, all racing series, they're always working on, devices or, or whether it's soft walls or just devices inside the car and outside the car to try to make it safer. We just saw IndyCar unveil the advanced frontal protection device. Have you got yeah. to work with that yet? What What is it all about? Do you think it's going to be a big help when it comes to, especially on the ovals? It's, um, yeah, so basically it's about 60% as effective, I think, as a, a halo. Um, you know, you know, it's a start. Basically, it's, it's something that they're doing while they're working on something else, while they're working on a windscreen. So, 
um, yeah, there's more to come. I mean, these guys at IndyCar are constantly working on safety. Obviously, the next big step is head protection. Like that is that when you look at the uh, you know the last two deaths in IndyCar, you know, head protection um, would have pre- prevented them. So, you know, that's Formula One's done it with the halo. I think IndyCar is going to go in a slightly different direction where you, you're fully protected all the way around. I mean, they've both got their, uh, their you know, advantages. The halo, you're protected from a side impact where the windscreen, you're fully protected frontally. Um, yeah, so it's just an ongoing thing with IndyCar. Whenever there's a big accident, like like uh, Robert Wicken's accident, you know, they, they took a very close look and, and, and really tried to understand why he had the injury he had. Um, and, uh, you know, and then they make an improvement, which they have. Yeah. Um, they have already made adjustments to the chassis for what happened there, strengthening it and such. We love to see those safety initiatives. So yeah. before the break, you talked about the fact that you'd like to get in a stock car. So if Roger Penske is watching, that's a great birthday present for you. Your birthday's coming up in March. It is. But Roger just turned 82. His <laughs> birthday was yesterday. So what... What do you get the captain? Do, do you oh, get him anything? Or? God. <laughs> just, I don't, just, just, make, make it simple. Yeah. Just go, hey, I got you a Borg Warner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're good. You're, you're okay. You're now, if Joseph yeah, yeah. And, and Simon forgot, then they're in trouble. <laughs> you at least got something to live off of. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, no, I did see that yesterday. I saw it on social media. He was 82. Um, so I did He's still 82. He yeah, wasn't, no, don't he wasn't, he yeah, still, still 82. Yeah. Yeah. It's but, in that belated text. So. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I should do that now. <laughs> you, were, you were in attendance for his induction into the, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Yes, I was. That was uh, very cool to see. And obviously, you know, Roger, when you think about motorsports in America, you know, there's no one yeah. guy that deserves that more. Um, you know, he's had such an influence in so many different forms of motorsports. So uh, just a great guy to drive for and... I'm fortunate to actually have him as my guy strategist on the radio. So it's pretty cool to be able to say that I worked with Roger in that way. Um, it was actually really cool to win my first race with Roger. Like he absolutely loves it. I will say it is my, my best memory was walking through gasoline alley on Sunday, race day at the Indy 500 walking next to Roger Penske. Cause that day he was my guy on my radio, something that I still get chills about when I think. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for taking the time to, to spend a little of your afternoon with us. Yeah, no, Charlie. thanks for having me. I, I feel very privileged to be here with you guys. Seriously. Yeah. I feel like um, we still have one more segment. We're, we're done with uh, with Will, but I feel like he's going to just stick around and make us feel awkward. That's yeah, I, I was, yeah, I'm just going to sit I might here. just sit, like, at an awkward distance, like, right. back here. Like, so that's come all back and see if that happens. Best of luck to Will in his defense of another Indy 500. Of course, you'll see the season yeah. right here on NBC and NBCSN. We'll be along for the ride uh, all season long. All right, we're going to wrap things up next. Awkwardly. <laughs> Here's Pierre with a very special guest. Dave, all I need to do is get the keys from Kurt, and then I can drive home. Actually, <laughs> I'll course. let him drive me home. Yeah, you know, my, my wife says I drive like a grandpa. This, this is intense. I mean, I've never seen hockey up this close. And the way that these players, these these athletes, the passion that they push into their game, I, I'm impressed. I, I've never seen it like this. Right on. Two home run. Oh, to no, no. To the left. To the Good save. Wow. He swallowed it up. Did he? Ever? Oh, yeah. Suffocated that little puck. 
You're, you're scaring me. You flinch a lot. You know what I mean? Come on. Just, bucks just watch. You just kind of grab your hands. <laughs> if the puck's coming your way. Thanks for doing this, big man. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that was, that was really good. way more intense than I ever would have thought would happen right here. But thank you, guys. Well, Monday night, the puck was heading Pierre's way. Did you guys see this? Oh. Look at that. <laughs> Unbelievable. Kurt asked that question. Pierre was like, hey. Uh, He's we, like, I'm inside the glass. You guys wear helmets. Like, yeah. be a real man. Stand here with no helmet, have pucks flying in. It was oh, really gosh. cool that Kurt Bush, uh, the NASCAR NHL intersecting last night when Kurt was back in his hometown. Uh, the Golden Knights did you Knights see him spin that thing? I mean, he, Bruins. he went crazy. Did, I didn't see that. Oh, he was into it. it was the cool. Bruins won 3-2 yeah. uh, in a shootout. Uh, we're talking about our global motorsports star of the week next. And yes, this has nothing to do with this week. But IMSA testing at Sebring this week. We just can't see this enough. And we're talking about Alex Zanardi returning to racing in the U.S. for the first time since 2001 when he competed for BMW at last month's Rolex 24. Just incredible. I mean, you were out there on the track with him. Yeah, I don't often get starstruck, and I'd never had the opportunity to meet Alex Zanardi, and we were walking to the driver's meeting, and I just happened to be next to him and reached down, and all I could barely get out was my name was AJ. <laughs> and it's just, uh, you know, you see stuff like that, and it's truly inspiring. Guys like him, guys like Robert Wickens, you know, mm -hmm. fighting through what they've had to fight through, but... Uh, man, I will always know him as the donut master. That's that's where the donut started was Alex Zanardi in cart, and it was uh, it was an honor to be on the racetrack with him. You know, I, when we were at the Rolex 24, I remember being in the media center, listening to him talk, and how positive he is. I, know. Just, I mean, how inspirational he is. It's incredible. But you speak about being starstruck. I actually, my first interview at the Rolex 24 was Alex Zanardi after he got out of the car. And uh, I just, I mean, I, was just, I just stood there in amazement. You know, I mean, it was just incredible knowing that this guy has been through so much, and finds himself in a race car and very fast in a race car still. Oh, yeah. I mean, still very competitive, so incredible. Inspirational across the board. Okay, we're going to put you guys on the spot. Um, IMSA testing, so we're going to go from testing on the track to putting you guys to the test. For fantasy oh. racing, oh. it's time to make mm. your picks for yeah. Atlanta. And a reminder that rotoworld.com <laughs> does have a ton of great insight. So, I mean, I got, uh, I tried to, it, it's hard to figure out what's going to happen this weekend, but I tried to go with uh, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, obviously, Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, and throw a, a dark horse in there, Daniel Hemrick. You know, just yeah. never know what type of speed, you know, new package for everybody. So, got William Byron just in case. No, it's a good pick. It just isn't the right pick. Okay. So, <laughs> All right. uh, I've got Kyle Busch as well. i got Brad Keselowski, of course. It's uh, really good in the Xfinity car. Joey Logano. Wait, and you got the wait, homer. Are you, are you, are you, are you oh, serious? Wait, wait, who's that you guy? You picked yourself. That's awkward. You, you, you know, put, it must have been a mistake. You put Kevin Harvick on the bench. Well, yeah, because he's behind me, hopefully. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully right. at the end somewhere. Like new package. package. New yeah. package. You never know what happened. I could be up front. Okay. Hey, just why? I hope so. The trash talking <laughs> will continue. Parker, seriously, the best of luck to you. Thank you. This weekend in Atlanta, racing in both the truck and cup series. Our thanks to Will Power for joining us in the studio today. We'll see you back here again for the Motorsports Hour, all things racing next Thursday. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.